Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Blockchain John, here with my co-host, Jake Jabrelli and Crypto Lissa. Alright, so you guys, what's up? What's been going on? Lissa, how's it going? Happy, uh, happy fun weekend? Yeah, for sure. Total fun weekend. I'm not looking forward to the next week, but hey, we're just gonna hang out and buy this dip that's happening oh yeah how was your weekend weekend busy 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 i mean just it feels like it just started it's three-day weekend but it's not like ah it's not like just stay at home and rest it's like i'm running around i know doing things but i do i definitely want to buy the dip <laughs> for sure yeah definitely dying the dip too here what's up jake uh, it's uh I would, it's been busy because i'm still working i'm doing development on dynamo so um well, I hope, I really hope that sometime this evening we'll be releasing version 3. Um, it's been fun to some degree to be involved in the development process of it, but it's also a lot of work, which is, I don't know. The entrepreneur doesn't get paid hourly, an entrepreneur gets paid at the end of the gig. But um, This content is for entertainment purposes only. Any contents made by us, the host, or any guests we may have on the show is not financial advice. Alrighty, Cryptonauts, let's go ahead and get started with their top 10 daily stats provided by CoinGecko.com. First, we have, uh, you know what, refresh. Let's hop out that. Let's refresh. It's always good to refresh. <clears throat> Bitcoin settling at 38,000. Really oh, I said, I don't think refreshing is going to make a difference with that bloodbath. I, yeah, I was going to say, hopefully it's back, <laughs> we're back in the green. <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin settling at $38,376.22 with a seven day loss of 9.1% and a market cap of oh, $727 billion. Ouch. Number two, we have Ethereum settling at $2,620.10 with a seven day loss of 10.2% and a market cap of $313 billion. And number three, we have Tether settling at $1. Uh, no gain, no loss in the past seven days, and a market cap of $79 billion. Number four, we have BNB settling at $381.04 with a seven-day loss of 5.5% and a market cap of $64 billion. Number five, we have USD coin, another, another stable coin settling at $1 with a no gain, no loss in the past seven days and a market cap of $52 billion. Number six, we have XRP. Settling at 77 cents with a seven day loss of 5.6% and a market cap of $37 billion. Ouch. Number seven, we have Cardano settling at 93 cents with a seven day loss of 11.2% in the past seven days uh, and a market cap of $30 billion. Number eight, we have Solana settling at $91.85 with a seven day loss of 4% and a market cap of $29 billion. Number nine, we have Terra settling at $49.51 with a seven day loss of 4.8% and a market cap of $19 billion. And last but not least, CryptoNuts for the top 10 daily stats, we have Avalanche settling at $77.57 with a seven day loss of 4.4% and a market cap of $19 billion. And of course, we have the next five runner-ups. I call these uh, Jake's favorites. We have Polkadot, Dogecoin, Binance USD, Shiba Inu, and Terra USD. All right, bloodbath it is, as you can see. 
Avalanche and Terra are neck and neck at the moment because they're only about you know two hundred million dollars off from each other. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a significant difference. You can see it because it's about ten billion dollars between Terra and Solana. Um, but Cardano and Solana are pretty close. And then there's another you know seven billion between Cardano and, and Ripple. And then there's like almost twenty billion between USD and Ripple. So it it's a pretty big, you get an algorithmic or a logarithmic uh, change as you go toward Bitcoin, even though Bitcoin is now less than three quarters of a trillion dollars. That's crazy. It's, it's crypto winter, I think Buterin called it, crypto winter. I think I think that's a true statement. Yeah. But it, it's, I'm not worried, man. I'm not worried. Still stack sets and hodl, right? That's the motto. It's time to just buy some more, dip. man. Buy the dip, man. Buy the dip. Stack sets and hodl. Buy the dip. It's like, this is like a 10, 15% sell right now. Why not? Oh, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> buy some. All right. Not financial advice. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> Don't get mad at me. Lose more. All right, CryptoNuts. The year overall target market cap is at 1.82 trillion dollars, down by 3.8 percent in the past 24 hours. Now, the top right corner, there is a little candy jar here at CoinGecko.com, and um, let's see. You can collect your candies, like I'm doing right now. Ding! There it is. Collected it. And good thing I did. Uh, good thing we're doing the podcast today because I didn't collect my candies last night. So this is technically my candies from last night because I was so busy I t- totally forgot to do that. Okay, cool. So I got more candies to collect today. Awesome. But since we're on the left coast of the United States, our uh, timing is off by about five hours. I think the, technically CoinGecko resets at GMT. Mm-hmm. But since we're seven, uh, seven hours minus, it's like happens at five o'clock in the afternoon for us. So. And of course, you can get the, use those candies to buy yourself some awesome NFTs or some discounts on some uh, products and services here at CoinGecko.com. All right, Jake, back to you. All right, we appreciate everybody listening in. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe. But you can always like on other platforms, too. That always works. It helps us with the algorithm. We post our podcasts every Wednesday and Sunday, like today, which is in the United States, known as President's Weekend. That's why it's a three-day for those of us who work. Um, do you get that time off, John? you get Monday off? Oh, yeah. That's why I'm busy, man. <laughs> it's, it's funny because my days <laughs> off means that I'm more busy. <laughs> so you can check us out on Discord and check out the market. And there's always lots of tokens to get and lots of discussions going on there in Discord. We appreciate you coming out and checking out our Discord. You can also support us on Patreon or through some various coins that we Collect Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance, Bat, or Raven. Hopefully, at some point, Dynamo, if that ever becomes a thing. And um, yeah, so check us out in the link, the Coin Tree, which is explicitly for crypto stuff, in the link section below. Below, below, below. All right, Cryptonauts. Um, you know what? The first one I want to give to Lissa. You want to take that? Okay. News so from CryptoPotato.com. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, so, this first article is written by Dimitar Zanzarov and President Biden to issue an executive order on crypto next week. The president of the USA, Joe Biden, will reportedly in- introduce an executive order directing government agencies to study the specifics of the cryptocurrency industry, keeping in mind that the leader has imposed numerous regulations since the start of his presidency reign. He is expected to urge for establishing rules in the digital assets, asset space too. The forthcoming directive 
should come sometime in the next week as it will focus on central bank digital currencies. An executive order is signed, written, and published directive from the President of the United States that manages operations of the federal government. Despite being highly important, it is not official legislation as Congress has the authority to overturn it. As of February 15, 2022, President Joe Biden has signed 80 such orders. According to a recent coverage, his next one will be oriented towards cryptocurrencies CBDCs and their respective regulation in the U.S. market. The Democrat could request from Departments of Treasury, State, Justice, and Homeland Security to design a comprehensive regulatory framework for the industry. Those agencies should also develop a report on the future of money and payment systems. Uh, man? Man? Is this supposed to be Maine or Ma'am? I think it's Maine. Maine? Okay. I, I, I may have mis misspelled it. Maybe. Yeah, I was like, that doesn't look right. Um, okay, Maine crypto proponents argue that the world is going digital, placing Bitcoin and the altcoins at, at the center stage. And as such, they believe cash is not so preferred anymore which is kind of true i don't Definitely carry true. cash yeah i don't <laughs> yeah i don't carry cash um at the same time fiat currencies are gradually losing their value due to rising global inflation which could make cryptocurrencies a more attractive option for investors biden's executive order could look at measures to protect consumers businesses and investors specifically the directive might call upon transparency and enhance know your customer kyc rules the report further indicates that biden's administration could coordinate with other nations to standardize the crypto rules many wonder if the u.s lawmakers will introduce a specifically designed cryptocurrency legislation or they will treat the industry as traditional financial assets such as stocks or bonds. Biden's predecessors, Donald Trump and Barack Obama, also issued executive orders on digital assets while being in power. In 2018, Trump signed a directive uh, barring any U.S.-based financial transactions involving Venezuela's Petro cryptocurrency. In 2015, Obama allowed authorities to confiscate digital assets connect connected to significant malicious cyber enabled activities. He also enabled officials to see such tokens without prior notice. Unlike China, the American government has no intention to ban all cryptocurrency activities. Fed Chair Jerome Powell asserted that in October 2021, adding that supervision in the space is necessary. Stablecoins, in particular, are assets that need special regulatory attention, he warned. A few days later, the head of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Gary Gensler, reiterated such plans. He also raised concern, concerns over stablecoins 
arguing they could cause financial stability issues to the country's monetary network. Earlier this year, Gensler also touched upon cryptocurrency exchanges. He opined that Washington's financial watchdogs should directly regulate such trading venues. That was, uh, thank you. Thank you for reading that up for us, uh, Lisa. But, uh, I, I think it covers pretty much everything I would have said anyways, other than the fact that, that it's mainly the reason the downturn is happening right now, right? But the reason we're experiencing such a strong bear market is that people are really worried that it's going to become more heavily regulated. Uh, I really hope, as it, it made mention, that we're moving toward uh, stock-like uh, interacted interactions than like uh, uh, securities interactions. So here's my question: Should Joe Biden be a really good friend to crypto, considering that he's pushing the market down, allowing the general public to invest, not just big institutional investors to invest? Because right now it's giving, right now this is giving the people the opportunity to buy a little, just a little bit more. You know, you know, right now is a good time to get into it. Uh, not financial advice. Um. Yeah, the gov. I mean, do I think Joe Biden really comprehends what he's talking about? No, and it's not just because of political perspectives. Either way, I don't think he's a, you know, a maximalist minimalist or or somebody who really gets the overall meaning of it. Um, <clears throat> I know he's been a politician most of his life, but that doesn't necessarily mean he understands the common man. Um, but uh, the one thing I'm really hoping that in his actions they take into consideration or the government takes into consideration in general is looking at investment in crypto as a mode for anyone and not just quote accredited investors mm -hmm. i know what the meaning of accredited investor is and i've never been one close but never really been one um and that is basically you need a lot of spare cash more than what is considered to be enough to live on like far more than enough to live on which basically like Let's say a living wage is $50,000 a year. I'm just throwing a number. I'm not saying that's what it is. Um, if you had $300,000 either in annual income or you know half a million dollars in just cash sitting around, you could probably pretty easily live on $50,000 because you have way more than that amount. Um, and that's where they kind of, kind of peg. It's not quite that high a number, but it's kind of pegging that at that. So it's like if you make or have you know, five to ten times as much as you need, then you can become accredited. Um, but people who, quote-unquote, need that money in order to live, they don't want those people to invest anything because they don't want to throw their money away on something that, that they could possibly lose. And I keep thinking, it's like, if that's true, then why are people allowed to smoke, drink, and, uh, and uh, have coffee in their life? Hmm. These things can kill you. But, but you but you're allowed to spend money on them every single day people buy coffee and, and cigarettes constantly but that could kill you why are you allowed to spend your money on that I guess what I'm trying to say is the accredited is a terrible judgment of your of who you are saying you're not smart enough to know how to spend money that's my opinion on what accredit accreditation means so and I guess what I'm trying to say with with to like a red bull then right Regardless, it's like if it affects your life yeah. in a negative way, you shouldn't do it. And I just don't appreciate the judgment call. 
I don't think it's theirs to make. Mm. You know, it's like, you should warn people that these things can hurt you. You should warn people that investing in these things could, you could lose your money. You should warn them, but you should not force them to do that, those things. It should all be warnings. I I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, that particular topic is, um, what's what's that app that uh, robin i think it's robin hood right robin hood is where um where um amc where all, all those uh, um mm-hmm. internet yep. folks, a lot of people are investing on those so ones yep. they were truly able to manipulate the market oh. by the masses in comparison mm-hmm. to a legitimate and true i guess i guess they're all investors but you know what i mean right a big like uh investing agency in comparison to a couple of thousands or millions of internet people that have just literally chump change and and is making this whole purchase investment to manipulate the market i think that's the scary part when you start having when you start giving people the power to do that kind of stuff i guess but i mean people are allowed to do that right yeah. i mean i mean if the big guys can why do is that, that why not the little guys yeah yeah why can't people with you know smaller amounts of money to their name mm-hmm. fine yeah, and it's exactly the thing. It's like uh, Robin Hood did give power to the small, you know, the the smaller investor, um, the ability to buy, you know, ten stocks instead of a thousand stocks. Um, and I think that's the same thing. I think that it, at this point, where information is much more freely open and moves much, much more freely. Of course, you still do need to be intelligent think about your purchases it's the reason we say this is not financial advice we're talking about this because we're knowledgeable about it but we can't tell you how to do what you're going to do we can we can talk about what we would do but you need to do your own research you need to figure it out for yourself and that's what i'm arguing for if you're protecting people because they're stupid that's an improper association yeah they might be uneducated that doesn't mean people are stupid and i just don't appreciate the attitude of you don't know what you're doing we need to do it for you mm-hmm. i do not appreciate that i don't care what political pr- perspective you hold calling people dumb is unfair so um yeah i guess what i'm saying is when it comes to this article as it relates to this and i, I know i went out of board here with my two satoshis but um i don't think biden by himself could do it i think with a team of people and especially with industry leaders people who understand crypto um you could do a lot better but I, I, there's one aspect and i don't want to like you said i don't want to get too much in the weeds with this i really want to make a point here is the government is not a business it's there to help people not make money it's actually there to spend money if anything um and it might seem terribly inappropriate because it's never going to act like a capitalistic thing because it's not uh, it's there to help people who can't get any help anywhere else, right? It, it manages the roads, it cleans things up, it makes water uh, clean, hopefully. Um, it, it just It's not going to be as efficient as a business. It'd be great if it was, it never will be, in my opinion. Um, I don't think... If Biden will make new laws, and we will adjust to them. It's going to suck in the short run, but the market will, will come back. We all know this for sure. The market goes up and down, that's what, just what it does. All right, you want to take the next one? Uh, the GameFi or the 1.7 mm-hmm. million? Oh, GameFi. All right, GameFi. GameFi. This is from George Georgiev. GameFi thriving as January saw a one billion dollar invested, uh, one billion dollars rather invested in blockchain games. 
The latest report from DAP Radar is up, and the numbers reveal a clear trend in the growing GameFi section. It appears that the interest in the space is higher than ever as money keeps finding its way into blockchain-based online gaming projects. I definitely agree with this. According to January's report by a popular data resource, DAP Radar GameFi is booming, and blockchain-based online games received over a billion dollars in funding in January alone. For comparison, the entire 2021, the, uh, the entirety of 2021's sector saw investments worth only four billion dollars. So, there's a lot more going on here. Interestingly, the report also reveals that the particular category for 52% of blockchain activity in 2022 so far. One of the leading names in the field remains Harmony's DeFi Kingdom, or Jewel. The game generated over $1.5 billion in transactions through January, which is 243% more than Axie Infinity, a behemoth in the blockchain gaming space. Jewel also has $775 million in total value locked, representing a whopping 60% of the total value locked on the entire Harmony network. The report also notes that the third quarter of 2021, blockchain-based games managed to become the most dominant DAP category when it came to usage. Back then, they accounted for 45% of activity within the entire industry, and the number has now risen to 52%. Not a huge amount, but that was only you know a quarter ago. Be, as, be it as it may, one of the most important metrics for these projects is their user retention. For example, Splinterlands. One of the more popular games, also uh, currently the most played one, is, saw a growth in its unique activity wallets by 4.5% in January compared to December 2021, as the number currently sits at 312,000 UAW. Crippled Potato reached out to Spellerlands for commentary on the above, and here's what Jesse Agrod <laughs> Reich, the CEO and co-founder of, of the project, had to say. January was an incredible night, uh, month for Splinterlands. We released our sixth card edition, which is called Chaos Legion. It has been remarkably popular, and we saw a ton of accounts come back to get the new packs and re-engage. We also, while we also saw a bunch of new players come into the ecosystem. Another game that has noted a slight increase on in the number of UAW is Axie Infinity. User account, something I don't know what UAW stands for, but or somebody does, which en enjoys over a hundred thousand daily unique active wallets. There it is, unique active wallets. My bad. Uh, increasingly, interestingly enough, Sky Mavis, the developer of Axie, claims that there are 2.8 daily active users playing the game every single day. 2.8 daily doesn't he mean 2.8 million. <laughs> I don't know. Um, probably left out a, a, a factor there. But um, so user, yeah, UAW is unique active wallets. So Sorry, crypto games are going back up, just like everything else in crypto. Right now we're always seeing them in a crash, but uh, crypto gaming, which is always fun to do, I love it. I think one of the first games I played was uh, was uh, I guess Ethermon was like the most legitimate one. This was when uh, Ethereum was very affordable, and I was literally paying. Like uh, anywhere between four to six cents per transaction to battle and stuff. Uh, nowadays, obviously, you can't do that. And uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, e e Ethermon has um, has integrated with with uh, Matic to use the Matic, uh, to use the the, poly the Polygon chain. 
to make those transactions a lot more affordable which is great because obviously the developers from from um, ethermon they want to continue to build this ecosystem a larger and, and being restricted by the ethereum um chain is, is it's it's horrible especially for games so if these if these game developers can move to other other chains that are a lot more affordable and faster um i think that's what that's what games need i i, I think the, the ethereum main chain uh, uh for games no for social media uh, uh decentralized social media n networks on blockchain uh using e e ethereum or bitcoin no no the main chains no it has to be like side chains or secondary chains for sure if anything yeah, I agree with that. That's one of the things that I, I, as the price of a coin exceeds its initial founding point, like if you start out like a, a couple of pennies or something for a coin, and eventually if you come, and that's the reason that I proposed this to Tron Black, one of the co-founders of, of Raven. If the price of Raven ever went to $100 or $3,000, how would you then afford to, you know, mint NFTs? Well, no one would be able to, and that's the problem. So you, at that point, you need a secondary chain or something that's tied to it so that you can afford to continue to make transactions. But this is the problem with ETH, as we know. It's not just the impacted uh, number of transactions possible. Of course, with the roll-up functionality, you know, we can do that arbitrage or arbitrum. But um, if you don't develop that secondary functionality, then you just can't use the, the chain for anything because it's just ridiculously expensive. I mean, even if you had, let's say, somebody had you know a hundred thousand ETH sounds ridiculous but let's say would you want to still continue to spend effectively you know a hundred dollars per transaction to play the game you'd be throwing your money away right um, even though you'd have millions why would you want to play a game that's so ridiculously expensive unless you're just a person who's like well you know I buy a Lamborghini every other day and I crash it the following day <laughs> it's just stupid um, you could do it but why Right, um, so it's it's a it's a game of scale. We need something that, as the price scales, the transaction cost does not, so that new players can get in. I mean, I don't play Ethermon, and I don't play actually Infinity, but I do play Upland, um, and fortunately, Upland doesn't have a ridiculously high cost of transaction, but it can take over time. Ex ex take a moment to explain oh. that. So Upland is not a blockchain based game but they do have uh nfts correct it's it is a blockchain based because whenever you purchase a um a property in the game it's minted as an nft right but the network of you playing the game the actual so when you open up the app because i haven't played it when you i'm assuming when you open up the app that app is just more of a uh, AWS platform where you're, you're utilizing the, the game functionality, but you creating that transaction of getting those uh, uh, real estate NFTs. That is what they're right. It is the proof chain. of stake. It's proof of stake. It's not proof of work. Uh, I would love it if they did proof of work instead. But um, but yes, when you purchase, when you make, when you you know you have your coin and you, you buy or you trade with another player for one of their you basically get another nft you know you're trading for a different nft mm -hmm. trading what? your the coin within the platform for for nft now if you buy them from the company which is the original minting you know source then that's when you mint the uh, initial nft what what chain are what what uh, blockchain are they using they're using their own proprietary oh, okay it is, in, it is internal to them, but they still do everything through the chain. 
So, and yes, you can exchange NFTs on their chain for US dollars. Cool. All right, let's head on to the next one. What do we have? Market Watch? Yeah. All well, right. no, no, Market Watch, we're not, we're not doing that. We'll we're doing that the 1.7 million. Okay, ETH. got it. Yeah. Okay, so this one is from Jordan Lionchev. $1.7 million in ETH stolen from OpenSea users. The NFT marketplace investigates. Uh, OpenSea users complain about a phishing attack that resulted in countless stolen non-fungible tokens, according to Peck Shield. At the same time, the NFT marketplace said it was investigating these rumors, and any attack was not related to its website. Reports started to emerge earlier from OpenSea users who saw unsettling behavior in their accounts. Shortly after, the blockchain security company Peck Shield alerted that there was an ongoing phishing attack. Hmm. Requesting clients to authorize the mitigation to another OpenSea website promising to be gas-free. Hmm. I mean, isn't that kind of like a red flag already? But okay. Uh, the yeah. team behind... <laughs> like that child that tried to buy the constitutional document? Yeah. The team behind the marketplace said they were actively investigating rumors of an exploit, adding that the incident was indeed a phishing attack orig originating outside of OpenSea's website. Company co-founder Devin Finzer, also waiting on the matter later on, indicating that 32 users have signed a malicious payload from an attacker and some of their NFTs were stolen. And here's a tweet from Devin Finzer. I know you're all worried. We're, we're running an all-hands-on-deck investigation, but I wanted to take a moment, excuse me, take a minute to share the facts as I see them. As far as we can tell, this is a phishing attack. We don't believe it's connected to OpenSea website. It appears 32 users thus uh, far have signed a malicious payload from the attacker and some of the NFTs were stolen. Continuing on, Finzer further asserted that the team believes that the attacker had stopped as there were no more reports of phishing emails. Additionally, he refuted rumors that were $200 million stolen from the platform. Their internal estimations showed that these perpetrators stole, sold some NFTs worth $1.7 million in ETH uh, for now. Peck Shield provided a list of the allegedly stolen NFTs according to where there's hundreds of ERC-721, uh, ooh, for, was that for, for Loined? Perloined? Yeah, Perloined. Uh, digital artworks and dozens of ERC-1155 uh, once swiped from users. Some of those include Board 8 Yacht Clubs, uh, Azuki, Farmland by Pixels, and more. We gotta take a moment to build up some two satoshis on this right now. How do you educate people not to fall for phishing attacks? I've been trying to do this for 20 years as an IT Back um, in my it, days. It, it, no, I mean, you really have to. All right, so part of the problem, and I hate to put it this way, is a foreigner issue. All right, if you don't speak the language in the country of which you're, you know, you're new to, you may struggle to understand when people tell you things if they don't tell you in your native language. Um, and there also may be environmental differences. Sometimes people are looking for something, but they're hoping, you know, particularly when it comes to OpenSea. What are people looking for? They're looking for money. I'm not talking about the fishers. I'm talking about the people who got fished. They're looking to make money. And they're also trusting. The biggest problem we run into, in my opinion, when it comes to a big platform is you attract a lot of noob users who don't know what they're doing. This, this, this literally harkens back to what Biden's and, and I would say Elizabeth Warren in the U.S. are trying to do. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren. They're trying to protect noobs from getting ripped off. 
And even with the protections that the United States currently has in place for current stock, people still get ripped off. The difference is when a person gets ripped off, there's a recourse, right? With, with uh, Bitcoin, there is some recourse, right? You might be able to find the people who stole your money and then either, maybe not force them to give it back to you, but at least throw them in jail or maybe find their money and then get it back that way. But without these regulations in place, you kind of, you just, you got screwed, right? And what do you do? You do nothing, right? So with the OpenSphere platform being so huge and so many people coming into it, people are going to get hosed. They're going to get screwed. They're going to get fished. They're going to, whatever term you want to use to describe, fooled, stolen, robbed, when they're not paying attention. They're just high on the, I'm making so much money. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Fool and his money are soon parted. It's a very old adage. So how do you prevent that? You don't prevent it. You, there's a really great, strange analogy to use in this case. If you watch the history of the airline industry from the Wright brothers to now, you will see a lot of airplanes that went down for various reasons over the, over the last hundred years. It sucks that those people had to be martyred for those purposes. But we learned something from that don't do those bad things you know have better emergencies have better you know safety protocols in place to keep people from dying <laughs> you know do good maintenance um do do things that help a the people involved to not get screwed now i it sucks to have to be a person who's screwed by a by a, this phishing scheme but now you're an example i mean my personal claim to infamous or infame is that at the my university that I went to I was the guy that everybody talks about who didn't make it to the to the test on time that the professor talked about for ages oh you're the guy yes I'm the guy that didn't make it to the test on time and therefore literally flunked the class so I am a legend an infamous legend in those some people are going to be that you're going to be a martyr and so it sucks but if hopefully you learn from the mistakes of others, you will not be a victim in the future. Mm. We me, can't prevent this mm. entirely. Let me, let me ask you something. You don't. You don't have to answer. This. I'm just curious if 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 you have this experience or you, you're actively doing this, investing into um, like ICOs. I guess you're you're investing into early stage startups, new company, new yeah. projects that are coming out on the on on, on blockchain, and being an early investor mm -hmm. in it. Are you actively doing that, or are you still are you yes. more conservative and just sticking with like blue collared, uh, blue chip? Uh... No, I'm definitely investing in new coins when they come out. I'll take airdrops. I'll take a, but the the rule I hate to use the the axiom rule of thumb because I don't really like the meaning of it. But the basic rule is never, and this is my personal rule. Whether you follow it or not is up to you. Never invest more than 10% of your value in a high risk idea. Okay. If you have like one a question I used to ask people all the time was um, do you have well, how much how much is a lot of money for you to lose? Like if you lost a $10 bill would it bother you? If you lost a $100 bill would it bother you? If you lost $1000 bills, $1000, would it bother you? Nah. Um, some people would say yes. Some people would say like ten dollars is too little to lose or too much to lose. Some people would say hundred. Some people would say a thousand. It depends on your your risk, you know, 
level, level of risk of uh, aversion. Um, and if you're averse at, you know, 100 bucks, maybe 50 bucks, you're fine. Yeah, I, I could lose 50 bucks. If 50 bucks is your losing point, then invest 50 bucks in that thing. And then you won't, and then if you, when you inevitably lose it, you won't be like, oh, I really missed that $50. Right. No, you don't. So look at your personal level of risk. What are you willing to lose? And invest that, even though you could make more if you invested more. But it, you have to look at where your, your risk level is. So it's like, well, if I invested $5,000, I'd make, you know, a million. Yes. But can you afford to lose $5,000? No? Don't do it then. Mm, well I mean, said. That's a good uh, <laughs> a good few satoshis there for the cryptonauts. That's a, that, was a, that was a meaty one for sure. Yeah. I knew you had that in you. All right. Let's move on. Lissa, wake up. The criminal take the whales. Next, <laughs> take the next one. Where are we at? Criminal whales? Okay. Yeah. Criminal whales. So this is again written by Dimitar Zanzaroff. Criminal whales hold more than 25 billion worth of crypto. The blockchain data company Chain Analysis claimed that criminal whales represent 3.7 of all cryptocurrency whales. Those bad actors collectively own over $25 billion worth of digital assets. Cryptocurrencies have many merits, and numerous experts maintain that they represent a financial, revolu yeah, financial uh, revolution. However, Bitcoin and the altcoins have their critics too. These claim that drug traffickers, terrorists, and money launderers employ such assets in their illicit activities. In line with the aforementioned accusation, the New York-based blockchain analysis company Chain uh, Chain Chainalis identified 4,068 criminal cryptocurrency whales, which is 3.7% of all who collectively possess more than 25 billion worth of digital assets. The firm explained that every entity owns over 1 million in crypto. It is worth noting that most whales receive either a relatively small or substantial share of their total balance from illegal addresses. 1,000 374 got between 10 and 25% of their assets from illegitimate wallets, while 1,361 obtained between 90% and 100%. Illicit funds received by criminal whales came from various sources. The dark net at 37, uh, roughly 38% ranked first, while scams 32% held second place. Stolen funds, fraud shop, and ransomware completed the top five positions. Additionally, chain chainalis chainalysis. It's it's chainalysis because they're just merging two words in analysis and chain into the same word, so it's chainalysis. But it, analysis isn't spelled right. I know, but it's it's yeah. no, it's English. We, yeah. we butcher words all the time. <laughs> Analyzed where those criminals are located. It assigned UTC zones to the 768 whales whose wallets have enough activity to make a strong estimate. 
two, three, and four are the zones containing the most wrongdoers. And interestingly, this area includes Russia's biggest city, Moscow, and St. Petersburg. South Africa, Saudi Arabia, and Iran also fell and fall into these time zones. Quote, investigation of criminal whales represents a significant opportunity for government agencies around the world to continue their string of successful seizures and bring to justice the biggest beneficiaries of cryptocurrency-based crime, uh, chain analysis concluded. Not too long ago, the blockchain analytics company disclosed that the total cryptocurrency value laundered in 2021 was $8.6 30% more than 2020. Bad actors transferred nearly 17% of those assets to decentralized finance applications, up from 2% in the year before. Chain analysis explained that these numbers account for only account only for funds derived from cryptocurrency native crime, including dark dark net market sales or ransomware attacks. And they quoted, "Quote this: It's more difficult to measure how much fiat currency uh, derived from offline crime." traditional drug trafficking, for example, is converted into cryptocurrency to be laundered. However, we know anecdotally this is happening, end quote. This is thinking that one of the the things I participated in for about a year now is um, pool together. And one of the things that really threw me for a loop on this one was why somebody would put, at the time, eight million dollars in usdt into you know a pull together pool and it's like it, you could definitely be using eight million dollars somewhere else and be making a lot more interest but the main thing was that they were doing it to basically corner the entire market on that pool so basically it gave you know a um an F- estimate as to how much you'd win and that one account won every single time. There were three wins that you could win. They always won one of them. But it only gave them a tiny, tiny fraction of the amount of money you could be making off $8 million. So it's like, if you took $8 million and just put it into mm, the stock market at 5%, you'd make way more money off of it than this tiny pool. Why would you do that? Well, it's probably, my estimate, laundered money because no one in their right mind with that much cash would ever just leave it in something that made 0.0001%. That's stupid. But if you're not about making money off of it, you're just about keeping it somewhere, probably criminal activity. Celsius Network, check out the referral link below. Not necessarily um, most intelligent way of keeping money around. But yeah, yeah, Celsius can do what, 8% right for USDT? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so there's much, much, much better ways of managing your money. But if, like you said, if it's a criminal activity, it's probably not, they don't care about the interest as much as they care about just holding on to the money. And so it, there's, per they say, $25 billion here in in laundered funds and, and, and money help. The, the thing that I find most fascinating about what Chen Analysis is doing here is they're saying, in the past, we didn't necessarily know where stolen money was. 
Now we can see it. It's public. It's right there in front of us. <laughs> and they can see where it's going. Next one, you guys... what do you I don't have any more articles after that. That was all the ones that I picked out. Um, right. What do you want to look at? Right, let's try another one or two more. Let's see. Um, Jamaica has everything ready for its new Jam Deck CBDC. You want to do that? Okay. From Felix Mullen. Mm -hmm. No cash? No problem. I'm not going to try to do a Jamaican accent. <laughs> if you are one of those who thinks that physical money is old-fashioned, uh, you might want to move to Jamaica, where the central bank has a similar stance and is getting closer each day to launching its own CBDC. In a press release published this week, the Bank of Jamaica announced, I think we talked about this before, that it had chosen the name, logo, tagline, and visual image of the new digital currency, which it expects to launch this year. Bank of Jamaica uh, subjected the entire branding of the CBDC to a public competition. The name, Jamdex, which is short for Jamaica Digital Exchange, and the tagline, No Cash, No Problem, were, pro were proposed by Miss Ashley Payne, who won the prize of 600,000 Jamaican dollars, or roughly $4,000, uh, or US dollars, rather, for her entries, plus an additional 50 Jamaican dollars in Jamdex. The Central Bank of Jamaica noted that the slogan for the new CBC refers to a popular saying that points to being of good cheer in the face, that's cheer, not cheer, in the face of adversity. For its part, the V in the name has a bar design similar to those in the US dollar symbol. And here's a visual of that. The logo of the CBDC refers to the Aki, the country's national fruit, I hope I pronounced that correctly, an important element in the country's native traditions. The Bank of Jamaica used all the elements to identify the people with its, currency, uh, with its new currency. In an official statement, they also explained that they wanted to offer a visually distinctive and easily recognizable image. Here's the quote. We've sought something to match the authentic J jamaican -ness of the name and the tagline while being simultaneously simple and distinctly bold as the easily recognizable visual element. The decision puts Jamaica in the privileged position among Caribbean nations, Caribbean, at, the, at least in terms of banking innovation. So far, the Bahamas and Eastern Caribbean Central Bank have launched their respective CBDCs. The region's first CBDC, the Sand Dollar, <laughs> that's a pretty cool name, was launched in the Bahamas in October of 2020, while the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank launched Decash in March 2021. Outside the Caribbean, in Latin America, only Venezuela has launched a CBDC, the Digital Boulevard. Also, other countries such as Peru, Brazil, and Chile are expected to launch their e-currencies very soon. In the north of the continent, Mexico expects to launch a CBDC in 2024, and the United States is still studying the feasibility of a digital dollar. Yeah, we're never going to get to this. Yeah. Especially as a weapon of financial domination to prevent the rise of China's CBDC, or the DECP, while in Central America, El Salvador stands out because although it does not have its own CBDC, it decreed Bitcoin as legal tender. Mm. All right. Oh, yeah, I so everyone around the world is uh, creating their own CBDCs, their e-currencies, their stablecoins, their crypto, and the United States is still like with their thumb in their mouth, like, huh? Huh? What is I don't remember this? how long it took for uh, Nixon to finally, you know, 
format the the um, the decision with his cabinet to take the U.S. off the gold standard, but it wasn't right away. It's not like he got into office and then boom, you know, made uh, gold no longer the standard that U.S. dollar was based on. And of course, we've been going downhill ever since, but uh, it's not like it's just an instantaneous thing. I I think that places with less ties to the global economy like Jamaica and or El Salvador um, to make that move to something digital. But I mean, we've been doing digital like like, like uh, Alyssa said earlier. Um, she doesn't cash. use dollars anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, who who does? I do have some green folding paper, you know, but I don't really use it for anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, John, you, you just use uh, tap to pay, right? Tap to pay, yep. Same here. Tap to pay, or I guess technically debit cards. I don't have any more credit cards. Yeah, but it's still digital. But, it's still um, digital currency. Yeah, and it's like yes, it technically is supported by the U.S. dollar, this green folding paper I mentioned earlier. But you know, it. The, the, we a, a, promise, that, a, a promissory note from a private company. Yes. Yes. Being the Federal so, Reserve. Yeah, we're we're we've already moved ahead to the concept of digital dollars, for the most part. The thing of it is, is when it comes to, I guess, I don't want to call them just backwater people, but people who have for so long used checks and dollar bills and the coin change we still use in this country to make transactions, those people are going to have to play catch up. If we move to it, I mean, the U.S. will never, in my opinion, never, I know that's a bold claim, move away from a physical dollar. We will have the CBDC in the U.S. once we finally decide to do that, and we have we have for for almost seventy years now a, a credit-based system that is, relies on a digital interface. Um, I don't know, Jake. But, you've been wrong in the past. I think I'm gonna challenge you on that and saying that. Uh, it's funny. I, I I I again don't feel bad about making this claim. It's just like Bill Gates' claim of you'll never need more than six hundred and forty k of RAM. Mm-hmm. Um, Making a bold claim like this, if I'm proved wrong, I won't be disappointed. But to make a bold claim like this is basically challenging the U.S. to, to prove me wrong. I I want them to go all digital. I do. But I'm saying it'll never happen to kind of like goad them into doing it. It's reverse psychology. So. All right. Let's go ahead and shoot for one more news article before we call it a, uh, a day. Oops. Let's do that. Jam decks. All right. Cool. Let's see. There's got to be another another good one out here. Let's see. Crypto exchange BitGet signed a sponsorship deal with soccer team uh, Galaxus Ray. No. Let's see. The Bitcoin blocks no. with the lowest block hash value in how about history. The, how about the first digital acquired by crypto the custodian Fireblocks? Digital Fireblocks? Let's see. I thought I saw that. Where is it at? Fireblocks. Fireblocks. Was it on the top or the bottom? Uh, I saw it. Where was it at? It's got a it's got a purple unicorn for the image. Where's that purple? I saw that purple unicorn. There he is. There he is. There he is. Okay. Cool. So this one's written by Andrew Thor- Thorovalas. First digital uh, first digital acquired by by crypto custodian Fireblocks for $100 million. Yeah. Israeli crypto payment platform First Digital has now been purchased by Fireblocks another digital asset company in the region for an estimated 100 million dollars while formerly providing blockchain infrastructure and crypto custody services the acquisition will now expand fireblocks crypto asset payment service offerings for uh first digital 
is a company that provides stablecoins, API-based payment solutions to institutional clients. It was founded in 2017 by Yariv Gilat and Ron, Ron Goldie and has since expanded leadership to include CTO Daniel Prince and COO Guy Hatter. Now all 16 members of the company will join Fireblocks, adding that adding to the latter's existing list of 300 employees. The acquisition appears to compromise the bulk of $100 million Fireblocks raised for secondary deals last month. This was part of a larger $550 million raise, which brought the company's total value to $8 billion. As reported by Calcanist, Cal Fireblocks expansion will now uh, will, will allow payment services providers, PSP, to both uh, make and accept payments in cryptocurrencies. While many such providers show interest in implementing these payments options, they offer, int uh, they offer Intel various complications around wallet integrations, KYC, AML screening, and emerging blockchain tech, all serving as barriers to entry. Now, Fireblocks plans to introduce cross-border B2C, B2B, and other payments using stablecoins, including USDC and Celo, possibly by spring of 2021. Wow. Goldie, CEO That's 2022. of... That's 2022. Oh, sorry about that. 2022. Goldie, CEO of First Digital they explained that the company was forced to downsize 90% of the following crypto winter of 2018. However, it's survived by branching out beyond the crypto trading sector and moving into payments, raising over $20 million to date. Quote, We were working with first... We were working with first from the very beginning and have been doing so very closely since, the, since they underwent their change, said Michael Shalov. CEO of Fireblocks. Like us, they don't want to become a financial institution, but rather integrate their technology with our hundreds of clients. Shalav said that they are looking into making other acquisitions, but have no imminent organizations in mind. For now, they are focusing on integrating the first digital team. Fireblocks has amassed billions of dollars in funding since July of last year, while expanding its operations into new areas of crypto. With money from last month's raise, it now plans on invest, investing into the cross-section of DeFi, NFTs, gaming, streaming, and entertainment. The company now manages over $2 trillion in digital assets while reportedly serving over 800 clients. Even from SEC Chairman Jay Clayton works for Fireblocks as a regulatory advisor. Hmm. It's a lot Jay of cash. I think Jay Clinton, if I recall correctly, he only did a, a short amount of time as, as the SEC. I think he was just a filler for the time being. Uh, but yeah, I guess he still technically owns that title. All right. That's cool. Fireblocks is doing things. And they've been around for a while. I remember them. Mm -hmm. They're just expanding yeah. more and more. That's good. I like when companies do this, obviously, because they want to protect their, their, their brand, their employees, and the whole ecosystem that they're, they're building as well. So they're expanding their services to other things. That's cool, man. I like it. Yep. Right. wraps up the news for the day. Yeah, go ahead. Give us the plug. Well, we appreciate that everybody's listening even this far in. This is the end of the show. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if you just clicked away. But if you're still listening, you can always like it and subscribe to our channel. Hit the notification bell. We post every Wednesday and Sunday uh, on all our platforms. Check us out on Discord. You can 
contribute on Patreon or via Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance, Bat, or Raven. Thank you for listening to this Sunday show. All right, Kryptonauts. Until next time, stack, sats, and hodl. Uh, wait, hold on. Shout out to SOS for the music. And, of course, to that uh, Canadian singer, Aubrey. I like your music. Until next time, stack, sats, and hodl. Adios. <laughs>